Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you wherever you may be around the world. Welcome to Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Pastor Mike Douglas with you along with our co-host, Chris Whitler. Hey, hey. Uh, by the way, uh, I saw your um, your post earlier today, yeah. you know, and, and you asked the question, what do I have in common with what, Kelly Ripa, uh, Ed McMahon? Uh, Kathy Lee. Kathy Lee, okay. Ed McMahon and uh, Andy Richter. And and so if if people come up with what that is, we give them an all expect all expense paid trip to like Liechtenstein or, or, or nothing, or that, nothing. That yeah. or nothing. <clears throat> you ever been to Liechtenstein? I haven't. No, I, I I spent a whole week there one night. It was uh, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Actually, we were we were in <clears throat> we were in Slovenia with uh, friends of ours who are missionaries there, and we're doing a, a, a marriage conference. And uh, so we kind of traveled around and tried to get into Liechtenstein, but yeah, it, it, they didn't it was, let you in. It was closed for the night or something. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to get a card and letter from somebody listening in Liechtenstein. Yeah, a Liechtensteinian <clears throat> could could be, but but the, the really funny part was actually going into Hungary. Yeah, we got stopped at the border, and you know the border guard, and there was this. this I've actually been there. You stopped have been. at the okay. border in Hungary. Have you I really? Have. Well, you know how it is. They have guards, you know, with, with big guns and everything yeah. there. And in fact, there was this very um, tiny uh, lady with with a very big gun, and <laughs> and she was a border guard. <clears throat> so she stops and says, you know, says in her very broken English, "Can I see your ID?" So I give her my ID, and she goes, "Michael Douglas." I said, "Yes." <laughs> so she looks at me, and she goes into her little hut thing, right? And she's <laughs> whomping away on this computer. You can see the smoke rising from the computer. She comes back. She says, you're not Michael Douglas. I said, no, no, no. I'm not that Michael Douglas. I'm a Michael yeah, Douglas. Yeah, she's very disappointed. And obviously, I didn't look like what she was looking for, Yeah, obviously. but She didn't want your autograph? Did not want my autograph. Mm. It was not impressed that I was from Modesto. <clears throat> maybe if I had been from Liechtenstein. Maybe, maybe. Anyway. Anyway, welcome again to uh, Lighthouse Live, especially those of you in Liechtenstein tonight. We're <laughs> happy to have you with us. And also joining us, of course, are our weekly uh, guest, our prayer intercessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl, Al Ramsey. And actually, we have some guest intercessors in the room as well, along yes. with our special guest tonight, uh, Pastor Cheryl Birch with us. And Cheryl, it's been a long, was it two or three years since we've it's had you on the program? It's been a couple years since I've been here. It's great to be back with you. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it was great to have you back I haven't tonight. been to Liechtenstein. You haven't? No. I wonder how many people listening have been to Lichtenstein. In fact, if you've been to Lichtenstein, yeah. and if you've spent Please. there a whole week there one night, you know, email me. It's uh, info <clears throat> at vibrantcommunities.org, info at vibrantcommunities.org, and we'll do something for you. I don't, I don't, but anyway. Yeah, we'll have to check the, the downloads. Well, how many downloads, yeah, downloads come from Lichtenstein? So. 
Well, Cheryl, it's, it's been a couple of years. Great, great to have you back. In fact, I think the last time we were here, we were doing a Seder together, weren't we? Oh, we or, were. Yeah. We, and you blew the shofar for us. I, that's the, right. As we did the Seder, we had the plates and the elements and, that's uh, right. we had the parsley and the salt water and the matzah and learned all about how Jesus is revealed in the feast. You know, we have to do that again sometime. That, that was a, that was a special broadcast. It is fun. It's uh, wonderful to learn more about our Lord. And uh, and tonight we're going to be talking about something dear to our hearts, and that is prayer. Yes. And uh, we'll be getting to that in just a couple of minutes. By the way, happy anniversary to you, uh, is right? The- yes, today is my anniversary. Amen. 37 years. 37 oh. years. But I have uh, had the honor and wonder and love of this precious man since 1968, so wow. that's a long time. Isn't that great? Well, congratulations to you, and uh, may you. the Lord bless you with many, many more I years I received that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, friends, we're going to talk a little bit more about a wonderful prayer initiative and what's happening around uh, our area as far as prayer goes. In just a couple of minutes right now, let's check in with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. What will people think when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? What will people do when they find that it's true? Hey, what's up? This is Michael Tate with the story of another real-life Jesus freak from the Voice of the Martyrs. China's PSB, the Public Security Bureau, has been monitoring the evangelistic work of Brother Lee for years. The PSB report states, Ten years ago in Yangming Village, there were about 150 people who took part in illegal religious gatherings. Now there are more than 500, two times each week. The report even confirms Lee's courage, stating he has been arrested and educated many times, and yet his heart and his nature has not changed. By the way, that education was not in the classroom. It was an education by torture. But Brother Lee persevered as a witness to other Chinese Christians, and to you and me. Will you take a stand? Go online to persecution.com. Back with you live here on Lighthouse Live. Again, Pastor Mike Douglas with you. And tonight, our very special fo- uh, focus on prayer. And uh, Cheryl, we, we met when you were, I think, uh, working with George House, weren't you? Or, oh, yes, many years many ago. Many years ago. Mm-hmm. And, Too uh, many to count. <laughs> <laughs> and that was an interesting chapter of your life, wasn't it? Yes, I was in uh, state government as a... Uh, aid to uh, uh, two wonderful Christian elected officials. And so God really blessed us with those wonderful men, and it was a great 16 years of my life. 16 years. Yes. Wow, isn't that great? Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, tonight our, our focus is prayer, and one of the neat things that we see happening in, in this area, and again, I'm not I'm not a native Modestoan. Modestan. Modestite. 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 <laughs> That's getting close. We're not even going to pursue that. With, uh, you know, I'm from L.A. originally. I don't say that too loud, you know, especially now that the <clears throat> Dodgers are winning. But anyway, now that that being said, uh, you know, being a transplant 25 years ago, I didn't even know what a Modesto was, and and had been transferred with the government to Sacramento. Was you know fat, dumb, and happy up there, making a lot of money and 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 you know, having a lot of power. And and God said. Time to go to Modesto. And I said, say what? Time to go to Modesto. Leave all that. Give up your retirement. And, and I want you to go into full-time vocational ministry. And uh, so Lori and I prayed for six months that perhaps God, we had not heard God correctly. And he said, yeah, I, I want you to go. 
And Cheryl, one of the neat things that I found in getting here is God is doing something special in this area. There's some wonderful spiritual stuff going on that you don't, and we've been uh, over the country at conferences, and there's some really special stuff going on here. We're blessed mm-hmm. to be in this area. We don't want to be in anywhere else uh, right now. And one of those special things is the focus on prayer. And Pray Modesto has really, I think, grown uh, from seeds of an idea to something that is now actually dynamic. Churches, congregations, ministries are covering the city in prayer 365 days or four, depending on which year you're in, uh, days a year. And, uh, you have been, uh, a part of that wonderful, wonderful committee that's, that's looked at that, that, that's helped us, uh, understand the need to do that and has also helped us make it a reality. So fill us in a little bit, Cheryl, your vision, how, and the vision that was shared by the committee, where God has taken this and maybe where God is going to take us in the future. Well, I just want to say I agree with you that there's amazing things happening in Modesto. And what I have seen is a tremendous increase in prayer and a desire in people's hearts to pray. And there's more prayer gatherings that I'm becoming aware of. Uh, it seems like every year there's more and more people who are gathering at the center plaza. They're gathering in their churches. They're doing many different things. And I think what's happened is, is that God is really pouring out his heart to us and motivating people to pray. And what, and when he does that, then things start to come up out of that. So I believe that Pray Modesto is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit's move in this Mm. area. Mm. And one of the things that is very important in uh, laying a foundation of prayer for a city is a unified effort where everyone is coming into agreement on similar things and asking God to move uh, in uh, different spheres of influences, how uh, Pray Modesto got started. And we've identified seven spheres of influence like government and education and family and the church. And it's an exciting thing that uh, he has done to have uh, each uh, church or Christian organization pray. And they pray for one week, every day for one week, and then they pass the prayer baton on to the next organization. And sometimes, and we're finding, um, and Stephen's going to talk more about that. He's uh, with us today, too. And Stephen is the coordinator for Pray Modesto. But we're finding now that our year is filled up and that all 52 weeks are taken. So we're going to start to have two or three or even four organizations praying each week. Isn't that a and great problem passing, to have? It's an awesome problem to have. And then passing the prayer baton on to the next organization or organizations. So Stephen, why don't you go ahead and talk a little bit about um, uh, the structure of Pray Modesto and uh, whatever the Lord puts on your heart to to let people know how we've um, gotten it going and uh, how they can participate. Well, thank you, Cheryl. Yeah, this is the second year that we've had the concerted effort for the city of Modesto. It's an outreach program of Catalyst Modesto. And uh, each of the churches that participate cover the city in prayer for a solid week. Why? Throughout Scripture, we're admonished to pray for our leaders. Remember, we're following Scripture when we do this. We should be praying for those who serve us and those who work with us, as well as general conditions in the city. We're all soldiers. We're on the front lines, and our primary weapon is prayer. 
And if you get involved, what do you have to do? It's not complicated. We ask that two or three people from each church or organization be in daily prayer for the city every day during the chosen week. And we offer you some suggestions in a prayer list. And some groups develop additional prayer resources, but that's all up to the individual church or organization. There's no real rules beyond what our Lord has asked us to do, and that's two or three gathered in my name, and I will be in their midst. But if they want to have 500 or more praying, they can do that too. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And uh, churches do it in different ways. Some have prayer committees that do it, and they they break this list of seven spheres down and each one for a day. Sometimes they'll use the entire list each day. It's as the Lord leads them to do it, along with their prayer coordinator. And yeah, we've, we filled up last year pretty well. We got this year taken care of. And I think I have something like three or four commitments for the following year yet already. They want the same week every year. Hmm. We've got one church that prays twice in a year. And we have a number of Christian organizations, ministry organizations, uh, service organizations that are participating. So it isn't just churches. It's those who work and live and display the flame of the Lord Jesus Christ in their work and in their lives. They're the ones that are doing this. And it's a beautiful program. And um, you contacted me, and we discussed it. You selected a prayer week. That's your first step. After that, I'll send you an email confirming your week. Then... When it gets about four weeks ahead of time, I'll send you another email reminding you of your commitment. Gives you plenty of time to set things up. About three weeks ahead, I'll send you the prayer list. About a week afterwards, I'll send you a thank you. Thanking you and asking you for feedback. That's the program. Let me go back and Stephen and, and I want to ask the same question to Cheryl. Stephen, what, what burns inside of you to create this passion for prayer. And the reason I'm asking for this question is so many times prayer in our in our congregations becomes a program or becomes an add-on or something that we do so that we can get to the sermon. It it's the catalyst for what God is doing. Here in Modesto back in 1992, 1994, there was a concerted commitment that we were going to become a, a city of prayer, and God's done wonderful things uh, out of that. But for you personally, what is it inside of you that that causes you to burn with a passion for prayer? Well, it's a primary link with the Lord, directly without any impediments. Mm. If we are praying openly and honestly, and then being quiet after a period of prayer and listening to the Lord, we're in direct communication with God, period. There's no other way to look at it. And that listening part's so important, isn't it? No, it's not important. It's critical. <laughs> it's absolutely critical to listen. Uh, my friends will tell you that I have a great deal of ease in talking and not anywhere near as much yeah. ease in listening. That's kind yeah. of a male thing. It's kind of a male thing, and Cheryl's I, nodding her head. I don't know that. I exemplify that. Well, she knows my wife, so <laughs> I, I exemplify that, and I'm learning. I'm learning to balance because what the Lord wants us to do is to live a balanced life, mm. 
And there's a balance between talking and listening, just like there's a balance in all of the things that we do. But prayer is critical. It's also contagious. Hmm. And I can remember instances when I was lifted up in prayer in some difficult circumstances, and I could feel it. I actually felt like I was suspended in some kind of a medium and just like lifted up in a warmth. Prayer works. Amen. It doesn't work the way we always think we want it to work, but it always works the way the Lord wants it to work. And his basic idea is surrender to me, pray and listen. And if we don't surrender to the Lord, then the prayer is, as Pastor Mike just said, it's a bunch of words to get to or past the sermon. That's all it is. So, well, and, and, and sometimes I think we approach it, and I love In-N-Out Burger, but we kind of approach it, you know, like a, a fast food restaurant. I'll come in, drop off the prayer, and on my way, hoping God, you know, answers it. And it's that, it's that beautiful, you know, two-way conversation, the, the, the relationship that just gets fed by that. Something, Cheryl, that, that we found many years ago, and, and you're, you're part of this Wednesday group of shepherds mm-hmm. that, that meets together, long history there, but, what we found early on was we have diverse prayer traditions in the room. And it becomes necessary to focus on what we share and allow each other our differences in how we approach or, or the, the, the strategies of prayer. Or the techniques is not the right word I'm looking for, but you understand what I'm saying. The ways. The ways. And, you, you know, and, but the beautiful thing is, you know, we can have a, a Lutheran beside us here and a Baptist here and a non-denominational here and assembly of God over here. And, and yet God's ministering to all of us at the same time. And it, but, but it, it does take some discipline, doesn't it? To be able to take all of those traditions in one room and, and focus on who we're talking with. And the rest of that stuff just becomes. Irrelevant, really, doesn't it? Really, when we enter into prayer, it, it all that matters is our relationship right then and there with God and what He's speaking. I think what happened with me with prayer is that I began to understand that we are the temple of God and He dwells in us. And the way that the Holy Spirit spoke it to me, to me personally is that you're the place where heaven is meeting earth. Mm. We we are the ones who are standing in the gap, and we are the ones that God is using and pouring through to touch the lives of our sphere of influence, uh, wherever he's planted us, whatever city you're in. We're in Modesto, but you can apply that to any place. Even Liechtenstein, you can apply it <laughs> anywhere. And we're finding that as we more and more understand that Jesus walked the earth and he said that he heard the Father, and he did, and he prayed, and he said what he heard the Father say. Mm -hmm. And and that's the principle that as no matter what background you are, if you're praying, you have the Holy Spirit, and you can hear the voice of God. We we literally can hear what Jesus is interceding for at that moment at the right hand of the Father. Mm -hmm. If we're listening and willing to uh, pray, but then sit and wait for God to talk to us. And as he was speaking to me, and I understood that I was a connecting point to earth, he began to speak to me out of Romans one day, and it was talking about the fullness of Christ. And so I looked up what the 
the word fullness meant. And it's the word pleroma. And pleroma really means to be a boat full of blessing. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And we connect with our awesome Father uh, by the prompting of the Holy Spirit through the Lord Jesus Christ. We receive a fullness from the Father that then begins to pour through us to bless all these people that we're praying for all around us. And if we would but listen, we can find out any given day what is it I'm supposed to be praying that day? What do I have a part in? I think what happened to me is I got overwhelmed. There were so many mm. needs and my prayer list got to be pages and pages long. And I had to come to a place where I could hear God and know what to pray for that day. Who could I be the boatload of blessing to that day? And once I understood I could hear God for that day and he had another intercessor, another Christian somewhere else praying for all the other needs. And as long as I was taking care of the business he was giving me to pray that day, then he took care of everything that I needed as well. So I go by the boat full of blessing principle. That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And, and as we watch Jesus through scripture, he really doesn't make a move. Without talking to the Father. That's right. It's all, it's all rooted in prayer. Now, uh, I, I know you, you lead prayer, uh, Cheryl and, and, and Chris and I have the privilege of, of leading prayer as well. I think one of the interesting dynamics when somebody said, Mike, here, you lead. And I was a rookie, you know, pastor kind of really green behind the ears. I mean, I'd been, carrying a badge and gun and, and then in the fire service putting the wet stuff on the red stuff. You know, what did I know about leading prayer? And But what I found early on, and maybe both of you can have some input on this, it was very important for me to get out of the way. I wasn't leading prayer. Uh, you know, I, I was simply facilitating. And really, I think one of the, the keys to it is to really allow the Holy Spirit to take take over and let God run it. Yeah, I think our... our um instinct is to fill up space we uh uh you know and and Stephen was talking about listening and, and uh that it's a two-way conversation and i i think our our natural instinct is well i think people are very uncomfortable with listening i know i am that it's an uncomfortable place to be that place that you were talking about of i got to get out of the way i'm not in charge here um, you know, when, when, uh, a baton is handed to you to lead, uh, a group in prayer. Yeah. That idea that you're a really just a facilitator. You're there kind of, <laughs> you're, you're there to facilitate the meeting, but you're not in charge. You're yeah, not leading it. Right. it. And it's difficult to not fill up that space with just something, you know? And, uh, but uh, often I've found that if, if we're quiet enough that God, leads us in the way he wants wants us to go but listening that's the key well how about and cheryl i think this is very important there are times in in corporate prayer when silence is absolutely necessary but in our culture we're uncomfortable if i right now did 10 seconds of dead air yeah people would start to <laughs> climb through the microphone right Talk a little bit about that, Cheryl, the, the importance of allowing allowing the Holy Spirit to quiet us and just be silent before him. Well, there's a wonderful scripture, to be still and know that I am God. Mm. 
And then there's another story about Elijah when he was by the um, brook and the wind came and the storm came and he was looking for God and the wind and the fire and a, and God came as a still small voice. Mm. And it wasn't until he completely quieted down that he really heard the voice of God. And I believe that in our culture, you really hit it. It's, it's hard for us to be quiet. And it is a practiced thing. You need to keep stretching the time you can be quiet. Mm. And so if you have that tendency to want to fill space, you get yourself just a little clock at first if you have to, but sit and, and that's what I needed to do was just sit and be as still as I could be for as long as I could be. And then all of a sudden, because you're purposing to do that, you start to hear something. Mm -hmm. And then I got myself a journal. Now, not everybody's a journaler. You can do it however you want. But I got myself a journal. And so I could test to see if I was really hearing God because I think that's another question people have is how do I know it wasn't the pizza the night before? Or is this really God's voice? Yeah. I'm sure when you got called to come to Modesto and pick up all the roots, you were wondering, was that pizza the night before? Did you have pizza? It was the you pepperoni. Know, I the pepperoni, <laughs> you know, something I ate. And you want to check it out. Well, if you journal and then you begin to check it with scripture, pretty soon you find out you are hearing the voice of God. Mm. And it, and as you're reading the word, you go, oh, that, you know, I heard that. I didn't know that was in the Bible, but I heard that. And and so being quiet is, I believe, a um, a wonderful habit where it takes about 21 to 28 days to develop a habit. If you purpose to do it by the end of that time, you're going to be able to be still before the Lord and begin to hear. And and the other thing is, is we have so many personal needs. And I think the other part is trust. And that even if we don't state every single need that we have mm. for our family, the people around our life, he knows that that need is there. And we can still take the time. If you only have a half hour to pray every day, because your life is that jammed uh, going back and forth to work, uh, taking care of children. If you have that half hour and you say to yourself, I am going to be silent for 10 of those minutes and listen to God, he's going to take care of everything else you couldn't pray. And that was a trust factor that I needed to develop as well. Yeah, that is that is a great point. Um, you're, you're sparking something in my head. And this is a long time ago. I think it was maybe six or seven years old at, at Lake Avenue uh, Congregational Church in Pasadena. And one of the greats of the, I mean, there's some, there, I don't like the word lay people. I, you know, we're all ambassadors of Christ. We're all ministers, right. you know. Uh, but I, I think it was Dr. Ted Engstrom, uh, from World Vision was speaking that, or was Dr. Wood, one of the two. Anyway, two, two giants of the faith and the pastor was gone and, and one of them was speaking and, uh, and he was doing a, a sermon on prayer. And so it goes through this long description of his intentionality in getting close to God, and he's going through all of the, he had set down, he had the right environment, you know, calls were being held, nobody's going to disturb him. And he goes through the, and it takes him about 10 minutes to go through all the preparations that he made. And then he says, and I ended my prayer with amen, and I looked at my watch, and a full 45 seconds had gone by (laughs) (laughs) because he, he was acknowledging, you know, we are not used to just, chilling with God, spending time and allowing him to, to minister to us in, in the process. You know, the disciples, as they're watching Jesus, say, how do you do that? 
and, and, he, and he gave them a model. We call it the Lord's Prayer. It's really the, the, the disciples' prayer. Can you imagine sitting there with the Son of God teaching you personally how to pray? Wouldn't that have been awesome? And yet he ministers to us in the same way through the Holy Spirit. Yes, he does. And he he's, uh, he's so amazing because if you will take the time, he will teach you. And he will give you, uh, it's not step by step, you know, I, it's almost, I want to use those words, but it's not, but he will take you through a process. That's the words I wanted, word I wanted to use. He will take you through a process of coming into a closer and closer relationship with him. And the bottom line is we need to yield to that drawing of the Holy Spirit. So once you've developed the trust and you begin to yield, he'll keep taking you deeper and deeper into uh, wonderful, precious times with him. And, you know, I have found that the other part of time can be true where you can spend your half hour with the Lord and it seems like it was 45 seconds because you just want to stay there with him. It's like, oh, that went by so fast because you just entered into a beautiful time with him and and there is no time or space with him. And, and I, I, I don't know why I keep wanting to encourage people who don't have a lot of time to pray because he will maximize every minute that you have. Let's talk a little bit about the dynamic of asking, because we often fall into this, asking God to bless our plans versus joining God in his plan where he's working. It's a subtle difference, but it has, it's, it's like two, two diametrically opposed things, right? It's amazing. God gave me a scripture that I didn't know if I was going to be sharing during this time or not, but it's out of Second Samuel chapter 5, and it's about David, and it's right when David is made king, and he is established by God. He has set up the city of David on Mount Zion. He knows his assignment is from God. And the very first thing that happens in in 2 Samuel 5, chapter 17, is the Philistines gather against him in the valley of the Rephaim. And so he's he's challenged immediately. Well, he goes to the Lord and asks what he should do. God gives him a plan. The Philistines are defeated. But Almost uh, within a year, less than a year, the Philistines come back again, and they challenge him again. And the interesting thing about David, and this is where it applies to your question or your statement, is that David didn't assume. He didn't assume he got a plan from God the first time. Mm -hmm. It was the same challenge. It was in the valley of the Rephaim again. It was, they were arrayed, it said, in that valley in a very similar manner. But David was drawn to ask the Lord how to handle it the second time. Instead of saying, oh, wow, I've got a plan from God. Mm. I've got this plan. I know what to do. It worked last time. He inquired of the Lord the second time. I think that, again, is something that we need to learn how to do is instead of making a bunch of plans or assuming we've already heard from God one time and so that's going to work every time, that we seek the Lord at every opportunity. Whenever something comes up and we're wondering what to do, to ask him first and then to go through the process of listening like we've been talking about and taking notes and uh, 
allowing him to speak to you through scripture and to confirm to your heart and also through others. When you're wondering if this is the way to go, he will begin to have mm. people who are, who you respect in your life, who are spiritual leaders in your life, who are close friends, who know the Lord. They will suddenly confirm something that God has been talking to you about. But the bottom line is go to God every time. Yeah. It's like no matter how hard we try, he won't fit into our boxes. He, he just won't. You know, it's why when you walk around something seven times, it doesn't fall over <laughs> anymore. That, that was the, you know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like he's, he's creative and I feel that his heart longs to create with us. He's mm. still creating. Mm. He's still doing new things and, and he wants to continue to do that. Um, through us if we'll work with him. That's what he did through David, and certainly he's going to do that through each one of us. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, and, and I, I appreciate your comment, Chris. He, he is the author of creativity. Mm-hmm. And I, really, he, he rarely does the same thing the same way twice. If you look through scripture, he's very innovative, very creative in, uh, in the way that he rolls out his, uh, his will and deals with the people that, uh, he chooses to, to work through to accomplish that. Let's take another, uh, angle here, Stephen, and, and, and talk about things to pray for as we're praying for a city. Our friend, Pastor Ross Bryles often says, you know, some, oftentimes, Prayer times in, in, in the corporate setting in, in congregations often becomes just an organ recital. I said, what do you mean? He says, well, you know, we're praying for Aunt Matilda's liver and we're praying for somebody's <laughs> kidneys. And, and, I, and you have to know Ross to understand that humor, but uh, he, you know, it's very true. Jesus wept over Jerusalem and he has a con, an amazing capacity uh, to care for cities. Cities are very important to the Lord. And Stephen, may we talk just a little bit about some of those things we can pray for in the context of interceding for a city? What kind of a things ought we, ought we to be looking at? Well, our list right now contains what we call seven spheres of influence. And basically they're family, citywide church and ministries, Education, business, government, arts, entertainment, and sports, and media. And um, we sent out a prayer list to each participating church in the 52 weeks segment, 52 week sequence, and it has a series of items that you can pray under those particular topics. Now these are lead-ins; they're not requirements. Mm-hmm. But what they're designed to do is to pique your contact with the Lord and let him tell you, okay, I want to pray about family. Uh, let's see, parents to have godly wisdom and discernment, reconciliation, uh, relationships between husband and wives, and so on and so forth. And as you go through some of these, something's going to stand out to you. Maybe that is what the Lord wants you to pray for today. You may not want to pray for all of these, but he may pick something out and make it vivid in your mind. Mm. That's where you spend your time. Same thing with citywide church and ministries. There's so many different things we can pray for under that kind of a banner. You've got the clergy. You've got other leaders. 
You've got the programs in your uh, congregation. You've got the congregation in its building and all that kind of stuff. Again, you start with something. You listen to the Lord. Something piques your curiosity, and it stands out. Pray about that. So it's a blend. Our program is a blend. It starts you off with some good ideas. You take them to the Lord. Let him sound back to you what he wants you to pray for at that moment regarding that particular sphere of influence. That's, That's the system that I envision as working the best. It's a balance. It's a balance between petition and praise and listening and then following what you hear when you hear the Lord. Because he gives you these little feelings sometimes. You don't always get what I like to call a golden telegram. I like golden telegrams. You know, Stephen, do this, this, and this. Hey, I can handle that. But the Lord doesn't do that. He gives you little feelings, the still small voice, little ideas. Hey, how about helping that old lady across the street? Okay, that doesn't mean you help every old lady across the street for the next two hours. Someone else may be asked to do that. But there's a particular person who stands out. You go help that particular person at that time. That's your assignment. Same thing with our prayer list. The same concept exists. If you have 10 or 15 people in your organization praying that day, the Lord's going to pick some of this stuff out or different stuff under the same banners and call that to their attention. That's their assignment for the day. I think that's really important. And, and Chris, I think uh, you've, you've experienced this as well. And, and Cheryl, I'm sure, is, uh, has, when you're facilitating prayer, may have an idea about maybe where we should be going and haven't we experienced those times when God just takes it in a total different direction? And I think some of the sweetest times that we've experienced mm-hmm. on, on our Wednesday times mm-hmm. have been when God just says, yeah, here's what I want to take you now. And, and you just be able to flow with that and, and ride with it. You know, the, the visual image I have that, uh, with that is from the, what was the movie about the little fish? Uh, Finding Nemo, Nemo. Finding Nemo. Remember when the turtle is on the, yeah. the jet thing, you know, the, 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 the tide, the, the tide, the current, the, the current. East Australian current. Yeah, the East yeah. Australian current. And, and it's just going, when <laughs> this little turtle is just, mm, right there. That, that's, that, that's what I feel like is that God just takes us in that current and we just sit back and, and go where he wants us, wants us to go. Through that process, Cheryl, uh, as, as, uh, in, in your experience, what do you sense over the years now really breaks the heart of God in terms of praying for a city? Because we we, we tend we, we when we communicate we we get a sense of what what's breaking His heart. What have you found that breaks the heart of God in our cities today? I think. The very topic we're talking about is the prayerlessness mm-hmm. of so many of his people mm. is probably number one. And though I'm seeing a lot of increase in the desire to pray and more prayer gatherings, there's still a huge amount of prayerlessness in his church. And 
it really is the body of Christ that can make a difference in every nation, in every city, in every neighborhood. And I like some of the things that I'm hearing. Um, I was at a Catalyst Modesto meeting, and they asked if we prayed for our neighbors and did we even know their names. Mm-hmm. And that broke my heart. Mm-hmm. And I believe that was God's heartbreaking, that I knew the people in front and to the side of me, but I hadn't a clue who the people were in back of me. And I hadn't prayed for them unless they had gotten noisy. And then I would ask the Lord to bless them and quiet them down. (laughs) So I got very convicted. So I, you know, being a little transparent here in that sometimes we're praying very selfishly for folks Mm. where maybe they were noisy because they were hurting and Mm. we should be uh, asking the Lord what should I be praying for this person? Maybe they're yelling because something tragic has happened in their mm. life. Maybe they, they're just um, that way because they've never heard the good news. So whenever I've been praying, the thing that the Lord leads me to pray the most often is that the church would arise and begin to pray. Mm. And that the leaders, um, if I can pick on us leaders for just a little bit, if we would uh, help motivate the sheep to arise and pray. So I think it it isn't only that the whole body needs to pray, but I think there's a lot of leaders that they have a prayer coordinator and they don't go to the prayer meeting. And I've been there. I understand how that all goes, but perhaps there needs to be some changes. And I think that's heartbreaking to God as well. Amen, sister. Uh, I think one of the most interesting dynamics that bugs me is how hard it is to engage fellow and brothers and sisters who are pastors, vocational ministers, how hard it is to get them to commit to prayer. It has to be where we start. It has to be. Otherwise, we're... We're running on no fuel, you know, and, and I, th- I think you're right. I think that especially has to break the heart of God because we are, in essence, modeling for others. And uh, I, I just just so much appreciate it. I don't know what the answer is to that uh, other than I think God honors the nucleus, the one or two or the, the ten or whatever it is. He honors... The small people who, as our friend Ross says, stay with the stuff and say, you know, this is important. This is vitally important. Ed Silvoso. He's told us, um, I'm sorry to interrupt. He's he's told us, um, we call that the remnant, the, the folks. And the way he described it to us, these are the folks who never, never, never give up. They don't grow weary in doing well, for they know that in due time they shall reap if they faint not. And that applies to prayer just as much as it does to gathering and fellowship, Mm -hmm. to worship um, the Lord himself. Um, We we are waiting for many things. And I think what happens as you are launched as an intercessor, uh, that you 
start to not have that much care about your own things, but you start to have a lot of care over what's going on in a city and you see all the tragic things and you just know that if the church would begin to pray and invade those places with prayer and blessing, that there would be a change. God answers the prayers of his people. He doesn't ignore us when we're repenting and praying. He does respond. I'm I thinking think, back to Ed Silvoso, Chris, came into town in 1997 and uh, helped helped us launch the Lighthouses of Prayer. And just being very transparent. Uh, it, In fact, that's how Lighthouse Live, this program, was born back in 97. It was a half-hour program dedicated to that, and, and now it's this. Uh, w- one of the tragedies was, and this is my take on it, we made the prayer walking... The lighthouses of prayer. We made it a program, and I think when immediately when we make God a program or anything that God does a program, it's destined for failure because the enemy gets in there. Programs always have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Always there's a sunset clause, and Ed warned us a couple of things. He said, "You've got to take the next step and realize this is a lifestyle." And what you begin on your knees, you then need to get up and do on your feet. That there's a next step. And if you don't do that, it's going to die. And the other thing he said was, don't think that the enemy is going to stand by and allow you to do this without pushing back. And we all said, oh, yeah, we don't, we understand it. We're, 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 we weren't ready. And we got whapped. We got whapped. So. With that, and I'm sorry, I, you, you had a thought there, Chris. Did you want to, after I so unceremoniously interrupted you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Actually, I was going to talk about just that, is that that tension between, uh, you know, I think people feel like they have so much to do that they can't, they don't have time to pray. Mm. But it's prayer that energizes our doing, and the doing needs to run us back to prayer. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, people, there's this tension between, well, we should be out doing things and then, you know, another camp that says, no, we just need to be in prayer, but it's both and. Yes. It's, it's, Amen. it's both things working together. And, and the book of James talks about how our doing has to come up out of faith and how is faith built, but to read the word of God, hear the word of God, but also in prayer. That's how his grace begins to pour out upon us. And we get, I think we, um, because we are creative beings, we're made in his image, we get a lot of really good ideas. Mm. We, we really do. And they're in line with the word of God. But we're learning uh, in our group to have God ideas. And then it's not so hard, mm. and you can balance it. And he knows what your, your schedule is like, and so he's not going to ask you to do something that's going to add a huge burden on your already busy schedule. He's going to ask you to do something that is within what you're already doing is Mm, what I have found. And it's, it's amazing, Chris, when just what you said, when you begin to listen and uh, walk with him in that the doing becomes easy. And, and I got to mention this because our, our, our weekly prayer intercessor, Mr. Owl here, Al Ramsey, God used him to birth advancing vibrant communities almost 11 years ago. Uh, we were, I mean, some tough stuff. There was, there was some warfare going on in a conference room. And Al here sat out in his pickup truck, I don't know, five hours, maybe six, five, six, seven hours, interceding. 
and God birthed something absolutely beyond what, 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 what we had. One man interceding for, you know, for, for the rest of us. That's putting feet to it. Speaking of putting feet to it, Cheryl, you are one of the premier prayer walkers. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about. I have never had that title before. Well, you are. Let's <laughs> talk premier about prayer that. Walker, <laughs> Cheryl Birch. Yeah. It sounds like the a movie, walker. though. Prayer walker. You know, it we have does. the dog whisperer. Now we have the prayer walker. Um, talk about the importance, the blessing of the dynamics of actually getting out and walking through those areas that we're interceding for. Well, we've been prayer walking in different seasons for many years. And I would really like to talk about this last prayer walk because I believe something really awesome happened and that we went into um, our airport district, which has had a lot of challenges with gang activity. And we were uh, praying at different stations. And I had the privilege of praying in front of the schools. But while I was praying in front of the school and asking God to bless the children, God was actually leading four children and a mom um, to the Lord through one of the intercessors who is here, um, Pam's with us, and she was privileged with another lady, Christina, to lead her and her children to the Lord. I believe that's the kind of thing that God wants to do. When we go out prayer walking, I believe signs and wonders follow us. And I'm not talking about, um, you know, the sun changing and whatever, um, though God may do that, but I'm talking about the sign and wonder of a drug addict getting free. And the sign and wonder of a family getting saved, the sign and wonder of somebody um, getting prayer for healing, and that um, when we leave, they actually feel better. And we don't know that. We don't always know that because the things follow us. And so I believe as a prayer walker that as we're walking in an area that literally as God promised in Deuteronomy and in the book of Joshua, that wherever our feet trod, he has given us that land. And that we have, um, by those scriptures, we have an authority through Christ Jesus where we can say all the souls in this area are being blessed of God today. And he's pouring out blessings and we might not even know about them. And the more people that get out there and begin to bless. And that was the good thing about the old lighthouse movement is we were out in the neighborhood and we were blessing people and getting to know those neighbors so we could pray for them by first name. So there was a good aspect to that as well. And that is the other part of prayer walking is we talked to people Mm -hmm. and they knew we were there and they got a smile where they may have never gotten a smile. They got uh, somebody listened to them and heard their need. And that certainly it would lift my day and it certainly would lift anybody's day. And so um, I believe that prayer walking has a huge effect in any uh, neighborhood or city. Well, Chris, uh, you're, you have a, a wonderful ministry with Youth with a Mission and, and you're often down on South 9th Street here in the Modesto area and, and a lot of, uh, not, not just impoverished folks, but folks that are just hurting. I mean, they're, they've just, they're, they're at their wits end, at the end of their ropes. Uh, talk a little bit about the, the importance of prayer for them and, and what you do maybe to model that to, to help them engage in, in probably a very foreign thing for many of them. Well, you know, I've, I've been quite surprised at how receptive people are to prayer on South Ninth Street. Um, if you're not from Modesto, uh, it is a very broken area of our town. If, if you fall 
here, that's the place you land. If you're not caught in another one of the, of society's nets, it's, it's a place where people fall when they, uh, land when they fall. Um, and a lot of people broken, uh, very, very broken. And, uh, but one thing that we've experienced down there is the offer of prayer is rarely turned down. Mm-hmm. Um, because folks are just waiting. Honestly, broken people are just waiting for someone to listen to them, to sit with them long enough to hear a little bit of their story. And, uh, the offer of prayer, I've only had it turned down in, in, in 10 years, uh, maybe once or twice has somebody said, no, I'm not comfortable with that. Most people have said, of course, you know, please pray with me. Uh, I was listening to a young guy, uh, down there last, last Friday who he's, um, in a terrible, terrible situation and has become addicted to drugs and is, uh, uh, very desperate and, uh, is estranged from his family and just in such a, uh, desperate state and very broken. And at the end of our conversation, uh, you know, I offered him a few ideas of places he could go to get recovery and, uh, places he could call. But at the end of it, I just said, Hey, can, can I pray with you? Is that okay? Are you a believer? And he said, absolutely. Mm. Like he, he's hungry for it, you know, hungry for that kind of connection between another person and God. And, um, yeah, I just find that the people are, people are waiting They're You know, we have this idea. I think that people, uh, are uncomfortable with that, but they, they really want it. <laughs> What was the phrase that you used earlier in the broadcast, Cheryl, about being the connection between? God? We're the place where heaven meets earth. We're the yeah, wonderful, yeah, that awesome, Amen. and that's what you're talking about, yeah. Chris, isn't it? Well, we're uh, you know God's timing is eternal, ours is not. We're bumping the clock a little bit, Stephen, uh, and, and you're you're very gifted to do what you do for, for Pray Modesto. God's given you the, the gift of organization and, and patience <laughs> with a lot of this. Uh, and some people may say, hey, you know, I'd like to get maybe something like that working in, in, in our city. How can people uh, get a hold of you to maybe get some thoughts on, on how, to do, um, how to do this type of a, of, a, of a ministry, how to initiate it? And uh, for those who are local here, uh, how maybe they can then, and maybe we'll have four or five congregations praying for each week. That would be a cool thing. Wouldn't it? How can they get in touch with you, Stephen? Well, <clears throat> they can get in touch with me with the telephone system, 575-0902. That'll send them to the office and they'll contact me. I'll be glad to meet with you during the daytime. I'm a retired person, which means I have a little control over my life, <laughs> so I can actually meet with someone during the day. Wait, I, you, I thought questions. I heard you say you had a wife. I did have a wife. Okay. I still have that wife. <laughs> and so you are busy. Uh, and she's right. a beautiful lady, and that's why I have only a little control <laughs> right, right. That's what over I was my getting uh, time. So they can get a hold of me, and I'll be happy to talk with them. I can um, answer questions, sign them up, that kind of a thing. I wanted to talk about something that we haven't really hit. And I learned it as <clears throat> fanner bees. What are fanner bees? Look in a beehive, you see a bunch of bees that do nothing but hang around the entrance to that hive. It looks like they're flying in place. What they're doing is they're providing air circulation to the hive. Without that circulation, the worker bees inside would suffocate. Hmm. How does that relate to prayer? 
Some evangelist, name unknown, used to travel the country, and he had a bunch of little old ladies, beautiful little old prayer warriors, and they would spend their time in the hotel while he was in his program at the auditorium. And they just sat there, and they were praying for this program that he was involved in. And he called them Fanner Bees because their success at prayer, their success at entering into the Lord's presence was the circulation that he needed Mm. for his success in the auditorium. So let's not neglect the concept. Some churches do that still. They'll have a, a, a committee of people who during the worship service, you don't even see them. They're up in some uh, room beside the sanctuary, and they are doing nothing but nonstop prayer, interceding for the clergy and anybody else involved in worship, as well as the um, members of the church. They're fanner bees. That's another element to prayer that should never be neglected. It needs to be brought out. The concept needs to be developed. And that's what I had that's to say a about that. Great word picture. Let me give you the phone number again to talk to Stephen or, or to Cheryl. Uh, area code 209-575-0902. Again, the phone number 209-575-0902. And uh, Cheryl, could we ask you to close us yes. in prayer and yes. any last words that you might have. Yes, yeah, so a quick last word is they can also reach us by email, which is uh, praymodesto at att.net. And they can always email as well. And I also wanted to encourage people in the county, Stanislaus County, because we're going to begin uh, to have uh, Pray Stanislaus very shortly. And so if you're a church or organization, a Christian organization that is in another city in our county, please go ahead and call and we'll get you on the list. So I wanted to add that commercial as well. So, Father, we thank you so much for this time. Um, to enter into conversation about praying and how important it is. And Lord God, I thank you that you are beginning to break the hearts of this generation, Mm -hmm. that we are starting to see our great need for you, that there are more and more people being called to prayer, that there are more and more who are seeing that when they pray, you do respond, you do answer. You love us so much that you sent your only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him should have everlasting life. And Jesus, you shed your blood for us to return our ability to connect with the Father. And I feel like um, it is really about time that we connected with the Father and that the body of Christ begins to communicate with their Father in heaven because Jesus shed his blood. He died on the cross and was raised again and is at his right hand just so we can do that. So thank you, precious one, for what you have done to pave the way for us. And thank you for motivating us to continue to have daily conversation with you and to listen to your precious heart, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Cheryl, thank you so much. Stephen, thank you. And uh, Chris and Al and our prayer intercessors here tonight, thank you for this time together. Thank you for joining us tonight on Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. If you'd like to take a look at the website, get in touch with us. It's vibrantcommunities.org. 
vibrantcommunities.org. And if you have any questions about what you heard tonight, love to talk to you about that. You can give us a call at 209-544-9571. That's 209-544-9571 or info at vibrantcommunities.org. Info at vibrantcommunities.org. Again, thank you for joining us this evening. May God bless you all.